In this episode, Tammy Gerrater and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of delighting in Jesus. Based on Psalms 1, this conversation was originally recorded in September 2nd of 2022. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. We're going to talk about Psalm 1 today. If somebody could look that up in a second, I'll ask somebody to read it. Ken, did you talk about Psalm 1 a while ago? Has that come across your homily list? Uh, I don't think it was a direct text. It could have been okay. an indirect text, okay. but but I can't remember hardly what I talked about last week, let alone a month ago. So <laughs> well, we I could all have. can because it's been the Beatitudes and it's been fabulous. So I'm not sure why this crossed my mind then this week. Ken wanted a break. Ken needed a break. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do so. So there is nothing revelatory, cool, wow in any of this, but this is just what I was thinking about. So I'm going to share it with you. The entire psalm is only six verses long, but they pack a punch. They pack a lot of theology and not surprisingly, I think a lot of faith walking in those six verses. All right, so um, so let's read it aloud. Does somebody have the Bible handy and be willing to read that for me, for us? Thanks, Judith. Go ahead. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I have read this psalm on and off for years. And I want to tell you the two ways that I used to read this that I'm not so sure about anymore. Offer some thoughts uh, on my new and growing way of reading it. And then lastly, sort of faith walk it along. Okay. I think I just made that into a verb. <laughs> like sit, stand, run faith walk. It's an action verb, right? Or perhaps it's a noun to faith walk or not to faith walk. That is the question. Anyway, I digress. The two ways that I used to read this psalm is that first um, is as this bifurcation of the human condition. And the end result of that, which you will then experience in your life. And it sounds so black and white, right? You are a good and godly person, or 
you are a bad and wicked person. You will have a good, amazing life, or you'll have a terrible and sinful and sin-filled life. You will prosper and be blessed with righteousness, or you will wither and ultimately perish. Dun, dun, dun. Phantom of the Opera music, right, etc. So to read it in this way simply reinforces this kind of black and white thinking, which, as an aside, I think is one of the most damaging and dangerous attacks happening in our churches today to separate us believers, this black and white literal reading of scripture, right? And we've talked about that a lot here in Keep Calm. Because really, to be perfectly honest and real, most of us experience life with far more nuance than that. Scripture reminds us over and over and over that God's people are not exempt from life's trials. I don't know anyone whose life is either entirely good or entirely terrible. So is scripture wrong? Is Psalm 1 wrong? No, of course not. It's our reading of the text that I'm suggesting might be. Let's keep going. The second way that I used to read this chapter was the same way that I used to understand that whole pray without ceasing passage, that if I wasn't praying all the time, I must be failing as a Christian. Here, the psalmist writes, their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, they meditate day and night. So again, I used to think that meant spending every spare second reading my Bible. And if I wasn't, if you weren't, then surely I'm not a good Christian. You're not a good Christian. And look at all the terrible things that will happen to you. You'll be like chafe in the wind and just blow away. Poof. Lots of judgment in all of that. Lots of performance-based Christianity in all of that. And perhaps that's been part of your church experience. Rhetorical question. Hold that thought for later. So where am I now and how has my reading of this passage changed? Which by the way, this is one of my favorite chapters, but not for either of those earlier reasons. How do we live a life that is full and rich, one that is like a tree planted by streams of water, one that yields its fruit in its season, one that honors God and is loaded with good stuff and hard stuff, and that doesn't lead us to a place of wickedness or evil. How do we lead a good life, a blessed life that results in goodness and simply indicates that we're human? So let me address this law of God thing as a springboard for where I'm going. The Psalms are in the Old Testament, obviously, and this passage is a direct reference to the law as found in the Old Testament, or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, right? 
aka the books of Moses. Those passages where God literally gives his people identity and purpose and rules for civil conduct, the law. Not many of us actively read the book of Leviticus, let alone take delight in it. Not many of us soak up Deuteronomy, let alone meditate on it day and night. And by the way, as an important and relevant aside, David, the presumed author, lived around 1000 BC. There are a whole heap more books in the Bible still to come, right, than those first five, the law. So surely God doesn't expect us to meditate on just those. So then at some point, I began looking at other translations. Some say to meditate on the word of God. And I began to get more excited. Matthew Henry, the famous 17th, 18th century biblical commentator and scholar, writes about this passage, quote, we must have constant regard to the word of God as the rule of our actions and the spring of our comforts. I like that. Then listen to this one in the message. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. Did you hear that? How cool is that kind of a response? You thrill to God's word. Wow, that is cool language to me. So what exactly is the word of God? Well, all of it, Genesis to Revelation. And when you begin looking at scripture in its entirety, you begin to see themes and bigger story arcs. There, disclaimer, there are a few places like the whole sheep and the goats passage where they appear to be seemingly black and white. Yes or no, sheep or goats, in or out, left or right. And there are explanations for that. But the majority of scripture is loaded with really ordinary people living really ordinary lives filled with good things and bad things that happen to them, but they serve an extraordinary God. For me, that is the beauty and relatability of the Bible. And on that, shouldn't we meditate day and night? Well, of course we should. All of scripture, that for me became one of the beautiful aspects of changing how I read this passage and the rest of the Bible, looking for bigger picture ideas and looking for a big God in the midst of the everyday, especially now that I find myself in the Virgin Islands. You, I, think, I think I said this once in here, I've meditated a lot on stories that particularly involve journeys and many, many times God sends people on journeys, and it doesn't always go well for them, but they go because God asked them to do so. There is joy simply 
in being a part of whatever God is doing in the world. And that counts the same for all of us, even in your house and on your street, whatever that looks like in your world today. The hard things that our biblical heroes and heroines experience doesn't mean that they aren't a righteous people. It doesn't make them evil. It makes them human. And God is still God. Finally, or maybe better still than asking what exactly is the word of God, is to ask who is the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John 1, 1 and 2. Of course, the word of God embodied is Jesus. Once you begin to see, once I began to see the object of my meditation as a person, instead of a fixed series of black and white laws, once we begin to see the person of Jesus as the object of our lives, then the whole measuring stick changes. The attainment of a good life or not becomes a journey, a process of morphing more and more into his likeness. How do we know when we're becoming more like Jesus? <laughs> when we start living the way Jesus lived, maybe in our speech patterns, into our encounters with others, especially a wide variety of the other, with an ongoing awareness of the Father's presence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now, what am I meditating on day and night? Sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, but I do think I, I'm trying to, I think I am meditating day and night on Jesus. Not with my nose in a book, although that's important to read scripture, but being the hands and feet of Jesus, living out the word as he is represented and represented in me, in all of us. Does this keep me in alignment with Psalm 1? I think it does. I think it does. So now, very shortly to faith walk this puppy home, when we focus on him and the life he led, this passage, this psalm changes dramatically. It becomes missional. I already used the word alignment, but I'm also going to use the faith working, faith walking buzzword of integrity. Brene Brown writes, integrity is choosing courage over comfort. It's choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy. It's choosing to practice your values rather than simply professing them. I would like to suggest that Psalm 1 calls us to a radical obedience of thinking and meditating on Jesus. And that to do so keeps us 
in alignment with the call of Psalm 1 to delight in the law of the Lord, or better, to delight in the word of God, or better still, to delight in Jesus. And on this, to meditate day and night. To do so, you will be like a tree planted by streams of water. In this, you will find integrity, prosperity, and I use that word cautiously, of course, and righteousness. Not a perfect life, not one that is deeply satisfying and blessed, but blessed because you walk with the King of Kings. Amen. Amen. So this is where, where Ken Schumann language comes in, where we, where we all embody, keep calm. Do you have any stirrings of the Holy Spirit in any of that? As Ken would say, what does that stir up? Any of that for any of you? It really confirms a lot of what I've been seeing lately for myself in my own life. And I mentioned to Ken when we first got on this morning that I sat down to pray and I knew that if I didn't deal with what was going on in my heart, my prayers would be meaningless. They, they wouldn't have any purpose because I was holding some resentment. Um, it's too long a story and it's not important, but I was holding on to this and I couldn't focus. It was just the resentment and the, the ugliness was drawing other thoughts of ugliness and it was building on itself. And I finally had to say, enough, I can't do this. Um, and I, I prayed and confessed and asked for help and, and could see Jesus with me. Um, and then I was able to pray um, because I was able to make that choice of putting aside what would have been so easy to hold on to and relish that um, resentment towards a couple of other people. Um, and I don't want that in my life. And this really confirms all of that. Thank you for sharing that. That is such a great illustration, Judith, of, of living out that, getting your life into alignment with the word of God, the integrity piece of that in your yeah. own walk is that's, that's really beautiful and Thank powerful. You. And not easy. No, <laughs> I hate it actually, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but thank you. I hate it. I hated it. <laughs> but now I can look forward to an event with these people that I wouldn't have been able to look forward to before. So it was definitely worth the work. Um, that, that's the, the Brene Brown quote, too, that I just read. Integrity is choosing courage over comfort, is choosing over right what is fun, fast, or easy, and choosing to practice your values rather than simply professing them. Amen. <laughs> Oh, Brene Brown is continues to come through, doesn't she? She's one of the, the most sanctified, non-ordained person most of us know. <laughs> I call her a prophetess. Amen. Amen. She would be nervous and honored. 
I think with both of those with that. One of the things that got stirred up for me, Tammy, is uh, now, first of all, I loved where where you took uh, the whole word thing. Uh, I I love the voice translation, and in the voice translation, it says it talks about for you the eternal word is your happiness, and and the eternal word is Jesus. Jesus is that living word. Um, <clears throat> But I remember it's been 15 years ago now, and I had a had a small congregation, and and we were talking about aligning our lives with actual with Jesus and and the way of Jesus. And I'll I'll never forget this guy said, "Well, uh, you know, I I really can't do that." And I said, "Oh, really?" And he said, "Yeah. Well, Jesus was perfect." because he was God and, and I can never be perfect. So therefore I, I can't even try to be like Jesus. And so here's what I believe. I don't believe that's true. I believe Jesus laid aside all of Jesus's deity when Jesus was human and he was fully human like you and I. And I said that to this gentleman and and I said, and, and but here's the thing that I think we get lost on sometimes, and that is we we see Jesus as savior, we don't see Jesus as person. And and I think it's in the personhood of Jesus where we learn so much about how to live in a world of diversity and difference. Uh so all of that got stirred up as you were talking about. Uh, about this. And I, I just wrote here, even in the margin of my Bible, Jesus is a person, not just a savior. And I think that's really important. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. That stirred up for me, Kenda, um, in my church historian study days, the, the holiness movement started in the 19th century, and mm -hmm. it uh, sprung into a number of U.S. denominations, but this drive that this under this thought that we could be, if we just really, really, really tried really, really hard, we could become like Jesus before we died, right? That we could become perfect by the end of our lives as he was perfect. If we did everything right, dotted our I's, crossed our T's. And, and I think that's brought a lot of um, well, there's a lot of denominations that still would profess that, Pentecostals in particular. And, um, but it, for me, for most of us, that brings shame and judgment and division right. in the bodies that is so hard to ever overcome again. We spend a lifetime overcoming that if, you, if you've embraced it. Right. If I had gone right to the living translation, Ken would have saved me a couple of decades. <laughs> I love that. That version took us straight to Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. I don't think that we could possibly walk in the word, believe in the word, feel the word if we didn't see Jesus in human form as well. Because I, like I said before, in one of our other sessions that I always, I was Pentecostal. <laughs> I grew up with the 
I mean, the holy holiness standard Pentecostal. And the, it was impossible to achieve. I mean, impossible to achieve that type of perfection that's put on you in some respects, you know, within denominations. And it makes you want to give up. And I'm such, I'm such an extremist. I'm either going to be good or I'm going to be bad. There's no in between. <laughs> I'm going to be really, really good at being good or really good at being bad. And that's what ended up happening in my life, you know, for a while. So we Which have, the literal reading of Psalm 1 encourages. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it flat out says that. And here's the consequence. If you're good, you have a great life. And if you're bad, you have a terrible life. Of course, then you know people that are really, 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 really bad. And they're still having this really, really, really great life. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but that's just, you know, I mean, for now they are. <laughs> Vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's easy to, to then say, okay, when people struggle in life, well, that must be the result of sin. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only reason sin could be is, oh, oh, I mean, I mean, problems could be is because of sin. Yeah, and, and I've actually, I've been told that in my life. My husband has been told that in his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's, but then, you know, I, I also, I, I see some family members that are God-fearing to the core. Mm -hmm. and, and they're going some th through some things right now that is amazingly tough. Right. Know? If you're holding to the letter of the law, that is the natural consequence and that's what this seems on first reading to imply is the right way to to live and to judge our fellows mm -hmm. but it but once you obviously i mean my whole point was once the law becomes the word of god and becomes the person of jesus grace enters i didn't use that word in my little message but that's where grace and forgiveness and restoration, that's where the cross enters into our story in a beautiful, powerful way. And as Judith lived out, gives us the courage to get our lives in alignment mm -hmm. with the life of, of Jesus. I, I remember, real quick, I remember reading in Revelation, I can't tell you exactly which chapter, it may have been in the first seven or eight, I'm not sure, but I remember um, you know, where, where Jesus, he says, don't think of yourself higher than anybody else. You know, he doesn't care for the religious, you know, thought process or, you know, he said, do not think of yourself higher than anyone else or judge them in that factor. I'll cut you off. I'll cut you off, you know, like a limb on the tree. It's over, you know, and, and that reminds me again about the grace and the mercy, you know, and so forth. Yeah. That's another good example, Brenda, of one of those seemingly black and white, black or white texts that I think we need a different read of with a more um, holistic, comprehensive view of scripture. It's one we've landed on that brings a lot of judgment. Cut you, I'm just gonna cut you right off. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm the only one who like really likes this particular psalm. It's one I've returned to many years, many times over the years. 
There's only 149 other ones to choose, but. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy, thank you for all of that today. Really good stuff. For more information about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you, faith walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.